I'll give you a brief uh, recap of last week and what we talked about, and then you can tell me if there was anything that really that you really took with you from last week, anything that really jumped out at you. Because I can think of one thing that Charlotte said actually that really jumped out at me last week, and it's the the one thing that I took away from my talk was something that I actually didn't say. It was something that that Charlotte said. So uh, yeah, just uh, I gave you three prefatory thoughts to this, uh, the, these talks that we're doing about hearing Yeshua's voice. Um, I mentioned to you why I'm talking about hearing Yeshua's voice. I, I, I really feel like it's something that he prompted me to talk about because I was just sitting there and I was, I was asking him about some things about our community in terms of direction and whatnot. And I just felt like the only thing he would tell me is, talk about hearing my voice. Teach them to hear my voice. And that was all he gave me. I was like, out of the blue. I was like, Okay, yeah, I, I like that. I want to hear your voice more. I want to grow in a relationship where I, I can hear your voice. That means you desire that for us. That means there's more to hearing your voice. Uh, that, that's an invitation from you. So that, that exhilarated my heart because I, I love Yeshua and more than anything in this world, I want to know Him better. And hearing His voice is, is the very heart of uh, knowing Him better. Uh, the first thing I had mentioned is how two things that He's spoken to me th- this last year as a leader in our community is to, to let His people go and to get out of His way. And so we've been in this transition in which we're restructuring our community and in which to some degree I'm redefining my role. Uh, this is why, for instance, I want to have multiple groups. I want to be a community that's comprised of multiple groups where I'm not always there. And when I am there, where I'm not always, quote, leading the thing, when I can just be, uh, just be one of the gang, uh, that kind of idea, to make room for Yeshua, uh, to make more room for us to be able to hear His voice. Uh, what that means is, if I'm not sitting there talking and teaching the whole time, there's this, there might be this silence, there might be this vacuum at times, but that's good because it's in the silence that we often learn to listen. And sometimes in, it's... It, there, there, when there's a vacuum or there's a void, what happens? He comes rushing in to fill it. And, and that is something that we want in our lives. That's something we want in our community. Um, I also mentioned a second prefatory thought just about how you know, I won't always be present as, as we grow, as we go into our city. And uh, that's why I believe that learning to hear Yeshua's voice and, uh, and learning how we can teach new believers how to hear His voice is going to be such a critical thing. Uh, I'd also mentioned that as we're in, this is something of a time of transition, and we looked at three examples uh, from, from, from biological life. Organisms that don't stay the same. They grow, they metamorphosize, they change over time. Uh, we, uh, we looked at uh, babies and seeds, and then also Hannah pointed out caterpillars, which is probably the most fantastic example you could think of, because caterpillars metamorphosize in an incredible way. And so we, as a community, because we are an organic body, we will go through seasons of life. We will change over time. I think that's probably a big difference between an approach to community, some people would call it simple, organic, house, church kind of stuff, that's a big difference between that approach and then the more uh, denominational approach where basically we always do the same thing and, 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 and sometimes there's very little change. You often will have an ironclad set of traditions, an ironclad structure, an ironclad program and uh, heaven forbid that you would ever touch that. Um, I think that could be a big difference. 
So I'm really, I'm really happy that we're an organism. I'm really happy that we're growing, that we're changing, that we're flexible, that, and that we're, we're, we're continuing to talk with each other uh, through those changes. It's fantastic. Um, we looked at two passages pertaining to hearing his voice last week. Uh, one of them was when the new covenant was probably predicted in more detail than anywhere else else in the scriptures. Uh, it's, uh, it was through the prophet Jeremiah. And Yahweh, the God of Israel, the creator of the universe, said, I'm going to enter into a new covenant with them, a new covenant relationship with them, in which every one of them will know me individually, personally, from the least of them to the greatest, from the littlest to the biggest, is the Hebrew words. So from the least educated to the PhDs, from the youngest to the oldest, from the quote, lower class, lowest of the classes and the members of society, shall we say, to the upper class. They'll all know me. It's the heart of the new covenant relationship that we have with him. And I, 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 I think I can hear excitement in the Creator's voice as he talks about that. I think I can sense anticipation uh, at, at, at drawing people into that kind of relationship. And then um, the other passage we looked at was from the writings of Yeshua's disciple, Yohanan, or John. In, uh, in the Gospel of John, chapter 10. And I actually, I made a blooper last week. I, I, I muddled two stories together. I tried to give you some background, and I drew some details in from John, chapter 5. So, my bad there. But anyway, in John, chapter 10, Yeshua is describing the relationship that every one of his disciples has with him. And he uses the analogy of a relationship that sheep have with their shepherd. Uh, that's not an analogy that we would use too often in Western culture because, quite frankly, most of us don't know a shepherd. Most of us have never seen what a shepherd does. An analogy that would probably be more relevant in Western society would be the, uh, the picture of a cowboy. Cowboys are a big uh, icon in Western culture. They're like, they're, it's, it's, a big, it's a big symbol for, for the Wild West. Eh? And if you, could, if you could imagine Yeshua talking about being a cowboy and his cattle, um, that's probably something that would actually uh, hit a little closer to home for us, culturally speaking, here, uh, here in North America. Anyway, Yeshua, he was describing that relationship that he had with, his, uh, with each of his disciples. And one of the first, things he, the first thing he said is, My sheep hear my voice. So, if you really want to know if you're his, if someone really wants to know if they're, quote, a Christian, probably the best way to know that is, do I have a relationship with Yeshua where I hear His voice? Not, am I going to synagogue or church? Not even all of these other religious things that people do. Yeshua said, the number one thing by which you'll know that you're one of my sheep, that you're one of my disciples, is you'll, you'll know my voice. You'll hear my voice. You'll have that kind of relationship with me. And then he, uh, he listed some other things too. So anyway, that's what we looked at last week. Basically, the creator of the universe is standing there in front of every human being and offering them something. Offering a relationship with them in which they can know him personally, in which they can actually hear his voice individually for themselves. So that's the what. Uh, I want to I look at a couple of passages with you that I would more call the how. How do we have that relationship with Yeshua? How can we grow in that relationship with Him? And I want to look with you at a passage, again, this is from the Gospel of Yohanan, John, uh, chapter 16. Uh, the context of this saying of the Master, uh, the, the background story, is this is His last night on earth with His disciples before His brutal execution the next, the next day. Uh, a scant few hours from when Yeshua says this, um, one of his disciples who, who turned 
is going to um, come to their secret rendezvous with, with police. Yeshua is going to be arrested. Uh, he's going to be rammed through a kangaroo court. And uh, he's going to be killed for the sins of the world. So this is in John chapter 16. Um, in John 14, Yeshua is saying some things to his disciples at the table. They just finished the Passover supper, which probably went quite late. Then at the end of that chapter, he says, Come. Let's go from here. At that point, they probably leave the house where they had the Seder. They probably exit the city of Jerusalem in the middle of the night. And they probably go to the garden. And it's probably in the garden or en route that Yeshua starts talking about how I'm the vine and you're the branches. They're probably in a vineyard or somewhere where there are vines when he's talking about that. It's a full moon because it's the middle of the first month. So you're, uh, and of course, on, uh, the, the, the month there is on the lunar calendar. So hopefully that just gives us a little bit of context. Yeshua is probably out under the stars with his disciples. It's a full moon. They're probably in a vineyard or a garden. And this is what he says to them in John 16, 13 to 14. He says, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. And I believe that this saying of the Master is the heart of the relationship that each of us can have with Yeshua. You could say it's the how. How does it happen that we hear his voice? And here he says, this is how. The Spirit. Uh, a little earlier on, in this conversation with his disciples, he says, it's, it's actually a good thing, guys, that I'm taking off. If I didn't take off, th- I couldn't send the Spirit to you. But if I go, then I can send the Spirit to you. And the Spirit has been with you up until this point, but He will be in you. So Yeshua goes to the Father, Yeshua sends the Spirit, not just to be somewhere in the neighborhood, to be right inside of you, in the very core of who you are. What, what an incredible offer. I, uh, I want to break down this concept of the spirit of truth, because Yeshua says that's how we hear his voice, through the spirit of truth. Uh, to my knowledge, I don't know of any place in the Hebrew scriptures prior to that where the spirit of God was called the spirit of truth. That may have been a term that Yeshua coined. And I'll give it to you in the Hebrew, and then we'll break it down a little bit, because it's very relevant to the relationship that he invites each of us into. Uh, in Hebrew, who can tell me what the word for spirit is? Ruach. That's right. Does anyone know what the Hebrew word for truth is? Emet. That's correct. So in Hebrew, the spirit of truth is the Ruach Ha-Emet. Can everybody say that? Ruach Ha-Emet. That's right, the spirit of truth. And uh, as you know, the word ruach, which is translated spirit, can also mean two other things. What else can it mean in Hebrew? Breath, Breath and wind. That is correct. Why, why is the spirit that enters into each one of us when we accept Yeshua on his terms, why is it, why is it compared to wind? You can't see it. You can see the effects of it. If you're holy, it'll blow through you. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, did you notice it almost causes like on on a calm day there are no ripples in the atmosphere, so to speak. But when the wind blows, it's like ripples in the atmosphere. It's like something that you can't see, but it's so there. It's so affecting the physical world, and and, and so is the spirit. Um, 
why is this spirit also called breath, do you think? Breath and wind are somewhat similar in movement, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. When Yahweh breathed into them, they became speaking spirits. That's excellent. Yeah. Okay, so that's so. I think we understand uh, the concept behind ruach, wind, or breath. Uh, the other word here, truth. This is a big word in Hebrew, and I think sometimes we we miss the underlying meaning in Hebrew. Um, the word emet in Hebrew, it's translated as truth, but there are two meanings to truth in English. This is the catch. Truth can mean facts or reality. The opposite of that understanding of truth would be lies, uh, non-reality, deception. Truth in English can also mean truth the way you would hear it in a love song. I will be true to you. I pledge you my truth. In, in, that, in that way, truth means um, faithfulness, uh, trustworthiness. It's a, a, it's a relational term. Now, the Hebrew word for truth actually means both of those but it more so means the second. It more so means the way you would hear it in a love song, uh, maybe on country radio or something like that. Uh, the Hebrew word emet, it comes from these three Hebrew letters. I'm going to give you the three-letter Hebrew root word for emet. Um, aleph, mem, nun. Aman. Can you all say aman? Can you think of any Hebrew uh, words that we know that come from the, these three Hebrew letters? Aman. Amen, when we say Amen or Amen, that comes from these three Hebrew root letters. And I'm going to give you a couple ways that this word is used in the Tanakh, the Hebrew scriptures, because it'll help us understand who the Spirit of Truth is and what He does in, in our lives. Um, in 2 Kings 18.16, doorposts are called Omnot. And it's from this root. So there's something about doorposts that is a picture of truth and that is a picture of the role that the Spirit plays in the life of a disciple. Right? So, um, just hold that in your mind. Doorposts. Um, Can you just repeat the word? Oh, sure. Om note. Om Yeah. And that's in the plural. Ot on the end is feminine plural. Now, doorposts are an element of construction Doorposts in the ancient Middle East were an element of construction that we actually don't have in the Western world. So if we were to say, yeah, the Holy Spirit is like doorposts, we would be like, huh? Because we build differently than they built back then. In the ancient Middle East, they primarily built with stone. And then, yes, with, with stone. Sometimes pillars were involved also. And then they had huge rafters over the roof generally and they'd cover that over. And the doorpost would be comprised of two large posts with a lintel over top. And then they could build the stone uh, on either side and over top of that. So you had to have very strong posts for the door or the stone wall would just cave the door in. Highly dangerous, eh? So if you could imagine being a child and living in Israel 2,000 years ago and walking into your home, you would see these massive doorposts and what, what, what would they feel like to your hands? Solid, big... Probably rough, mm -hmm. especially if you had a lazy carpenter who <laughs> didn't want to do this, this smooth finishing job. Yeah, you can just imagine if you're a child, you're running in and out of your house so many times a day, and you run past the doorposts every time. Actually, do you guys know what the Hebrew, another Hebrew word for doorposts is? Uh, 
a mezuzah is the other Hebrew word for doorpost. So you're running past the mezuzah over and over and over again, and uh, you, you just see these are big, these are solid, these are holding up the house. Like, uh, like you said, Genevieve, right? So that's, that's the one word. I'm going to give you another couple words. Uh, second word, in Numbers chapter 12, verse 7, Moshe is described as being Ne'eman. Everybody say Ne'eman. And that's translated as uh, trustworthy or faithful. Same root. Moses is faithful, trustworthy in all my house, uh, Elohim says. Then in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 59, there are actually plagues are described that will hit the people of Israel if they don't listen to Yahweh's voice. And those plagues are described as being ne'emanot. That's the plural of ne'eman. Faithful plagues. And in, in, in that context, what it means is lasting plagues. Chronic plagues. These things aren't going away. They're, uh, they're there to stay. They're long term. Um, that's the idea there behind ne'emanot. Uh, lasting and then finally, I'm going to give you the fourth Hebrew word that will give you a better understanding of the spirit of truth. This, um, and that one is in Nehemiah chapter 10, verse 1. The, the standard Hebrew word for covenant is brit. You all know that. But there is another word that's used in the book of Nehemiah for covenant. And that word is amna. Everybody say amna. So for instance, Genevieve and I, on our wedding day, we entered into an amna with each other. A covenant relationship in which we pledged our truth, our trustworthiness, our faithfulness to each other. And of course, even the traditional Western vows, I think they, uh, they, uh, they express that quite beautifully. Um, being faithful and forsaking all others, etc. So anyway, those are four Hebrew words that are going to give us a, that give us a better understanding of the spirit of truth. Uh, doorposts, trustworthiness, lasting, and covenant. Now, let me ask you, how is that good news to the world? How, how is that good news to your family members, to neighbors, to co-workers, to the people here in, in Prince Albert? You just think about that for a second. Yeshua is saying, I'm offering you my spirit. I'm offering that my spirit will enter into you, that you can actually have a relationship with my spirit. And you look at relationships in the Western world today. All of us have experienced the, the reality of the temporality of relationships. Uh, relationships are not forever necessarily. Uh, relationships are very often temporary. Um, maybe we had a best friend when we were little kids and that best friend moved away and uh, no longer was our best friend. Maybe uh, for many children that, that, that hurts, that breaks their hearts. Um, maybe we've had someone who left us, who left the family. Uh, maybe we've lost someone through death. Uh, you know, we, I think we've all we've all experienced the fact that relationships aren't always long term; that they're often temporary. And I think for all of us, that's probably left us hurt at some time. It's probably left us disillusioned. And uh, I, I honestly can't imagine what it would be like for people who don't know Yeshua and experience that over and over in their lives. Just how how short term relationships can be, and how painful that can be. Uh, I remember the year that I turned twenty. And I didn't have a very, I didn't have much relationship with my dad at that point. There were a couple of years when we, we didn't have much contact. And it was very hard for me. And, and something that I really wrestled with was the temporality of relationships, how people come and go. I, I had a couple of friends in that season of my life too. And, and I was changing and they weren't really changing. And as a result, we drifted apart. Um, and, and, and that was something that, that hurt deeply. 
And uh, actually, I was, I was in a very depressing year of my life. I, I, I felt suicidal. I honestly thought, I, I hope I don't have to hurt like this forever, or it would be better for me just not to live. But anyway, just, just saying that to say, I can relate to the, the pain and the disillusionment that the tempor- temporality of relationships can cause. And the good news here is, Yeshua is offering these people that I just mentioned, even here in our city, he's offering them a relationship that is like a doorpost, that's solid, that's not going anywhere, that holds up the house. He's offering every person on this planet a relationship that is a covenant, that is an amna, a a faithful covenant, a, a trustworthy covenant, a covenant relationship that's going to be forever. I, I think there's something deep in the heart of every person that, that longs for a forever relationship, that longs to have one other person that they know will never go away, that will never die, that will always be there for them. And the good news is, His name is Yeshua. And He gives us that relationship through His Spirit. And it's wonderful. So that's, that's the good news from those four Hebrew words from, from the Hebrew Scriptures. That's how, that's how this description of the Spirit is so relevant to... Uh, to uh, what we have, what we, what Yeshua offers people, and what we represent, um, there is another meaning to this uh, this word emet, truth. The root of it, aman. There's one other meaning that's uh, that's a uh, that that pictures it very beautifully, and uh, it's the word omen. Everybody say omen. omen. And uh, it's used in Numbers chapter eleven, verse twelve in reference to a nurse, a nursing mother. So when you see a mom holding her baby, nursing her baby, nursing her baby from her own body, that mom is an omen. And an omen is the same root that we get for this, uh, the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth is pictured as a nursing mother. It's interesting because in Dutch, oma means like... Hmm. Right, yes, in Dutch, Oma means mother. Or even in Hebrew, Ima is, uh, is mommy. So yes, Dutch and Hebrew both have that basic sound in, in their vocabulary for mother. That's excellent. Um, in, here's, here's a really beautiful picture also from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 60, verse 4. It, the picture is uh, a mother carrying her daughter on her hip. Genevieve, could you do that? Just to, I should have asked you about this previously but I didn't but could you just come up here and like just carry Tirza on your hip for a minute and, and, and it's a picture of the spirit of truth and the relationship that every disciple has with the spirit of truth and uh, the word in Isaiah 60 verse 4 takes the form of teamana teamana yeah sure if you just want to pick her up and I know she's a little bigger and heavier so you probably don't carry her on your hip so often but so you see how see how this this ima this mother is carrying her daughter on her hip that's a picture of the spirit of truth, the Ruach HaEmet, carrying the little girl that she nursed, that she was the omen of. So That's a picture of the relationship that every one of us has with the Ruach, and that everyone in the world can if they want it. Thank you, Genevieve. Yeah, that's right. We're the child, and the Holy Spirit is the omen. Now, um, there, there, are, there, are, there are women in our culture, who didn't grow up with a mom. Uh, there are women in our culture who grew up with a mom and their moms did more harm than good. Uh, maybe they were dysfunctional. Maybe they were abusive. Maybe they 
ran away from home, took off from the family. Um, I mean, hey, we live on a block where there are kids that could relate to that. I have friends here in the city that can relate to that. And, 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 and the beauty of this description of the Spirit, this is the good news for the people in our world. Yeshua is offering you the mom that you never had. And, and um, this is probably more good news for, uh, for women than anything. Or, you know, or for women that grew up maybe with a mom that, was, um, that wasn't very feminine. I, you know, I, I appreciate some of the things that the feminist movement has accomplished, but the, at other times there's kind of been the side to some elements of the feminist movement that have kind of been like very um, aggressive and, and militant. And you know, maybe some of the girls who grew up with moms who were, who were that way, maybe they, maybe they didn't want that. Maybe they wanted to be a little softer, gentler, tender, I don't know. But anyway, for people like that, this is, this is a beautiful offer, the spirit wants to mother you. The Spirit wants to show you what true femininity is, uh, is all about. I'll just um, point out a couple more things from this passage. Uh, in this passage, Yeshua is offering a relationship with the Ruach, the Spirit. And uh, he, I'll list four things here that Yeshua says the Spirit does. The Spirit, he says here, speaks to us. That wasn't just for the first generation of Yeshua's disciples. That wasn't just for the inner circle of his apostles. That is for every one of us. He says... He will speak to you. It's not, it's not like, if you're good enough, it's not like, if you do certain things. He just said, that's, that's, that's it. Um, secondly, he says that the Spirit guides each of us and guides us as a community into truth. And I believe he means both things there. The Spirit guides us into truth in the sense of reality, in the sense of facts, as opposed to lies and deception. Uh, the Spirit also guides us into truth in the sense of that relationship with Yeshua where we come to know His true love and experience His faithfulness and uh, we find our hearts responding to Him with that same love and faithfulness. Um, that's not surprising that the Spirit would guide us into a deeper relationship with the Master because the Holy Spirit is also called the Spirit of Yeshua. Did you guys know that? In Acts chapter 16, verse 16, he's called the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. And in the very next verse, he's called the Spirit of Jesus. Yeshua's Spirit. Uh, Acts 16, verse 6. And then Acts 16, verse 7. So the Holy Spirit is Yeshua's Spirit. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, you have Yeshua's very Spirit in you. I, 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 almost, I almost imagine, what if the followers of Mahatma Gandhi could have his very spirit in them? What if the followers of the great teachers of the world religions, uh, the, the Buddha from times past, or the Dalai Lama, or, um, or Confucius, or, or any great teacher, Muhammad, um, I'm using great like in a, very, in a very generic sense, right? But what if they could have his very spirit inside of them? They can't because that's not how it works. But we can have Yeshua's very spirit inside of us. Um, Yeshua also says, thirdly, His spirit reveals Him. So if you want to know what Yeshua's spirit does, the Yeshua's spirit discloses things about Yeshua to each of us. So I guarantee you, when you hear the spirit's voice, as you grow in your relationship with the spirit, He will show you more and more about Yeshua. If He's not, then He's probably not the real deal. You might have the wrong spirit. Um, and then... Fourthly, along those lines, Yeshua also says the Spirit glorifies Him. That makes sense. Yeshua is altogether glorious. Every glimpse of Him that we can ever catch is sheer glory. So it makes sense that as the Spirit opens our eyes to the Master, as the Spirit discloses things about the Master to us, 
that will glorify him. <laughs> okay, um, I'll leave you in this talk with six ways that we can grow in our relationship with Yeshua's Spirit. And uh, then if you have any thoughts or questions, um, I, I would love, I would love, love to hear those also. This is, this is more of the, the how question. Uh, number one, just recognize that Yeshua gives the Spirit. He is the one who, immerse, who can immerse every human being in His Spirit. Uh, number, so, you know, very practically, just say yes to Yeshua. Recognize that He has offered you the Spirit and just take it. Receive that gift from Him that He is offering for free. Uh, number two, desire it. Uh, quite often, there's several times where Yeshua asked people, what do you want me to do for you? He wanted to hear that person's desire. Uh, what does it say in, in Tehillim and Psalms? Delight yourself in Yahweh and He will give you your heart's desires. So let it be a desire of your heart to hear Yeshua's voice, to grow in your relationship with His Spirit. Um, number three, be open to it. Uh, the Spirit is like the wind. And I think this was something you pointed out last week, Charlotte. The Spirit is like the wind. Sometimes the wind comes and glow, goes unexpectedly. When it pleases, even the weatherman doesn't have the wind figured out, does he? And it's like that with the Spirit too. Uh, to grow in your relationship with the Spirit, you will have to relinquish control to a certain degree. You will have to grow in your flexibility. Because maybe, the, the, I think there's almost this element of spontaneity to the Spirit. Maybe the Spirit will all of a sudden prompt you to call somebody or to go there or to read the Word when it isn't the usual time that you read the Word. Something like that, eh? So just, uh, that, that's the next thing I'd say is just be open to the Spirit. Uh, be, be ready for that. Uh, number four, ask for the Spirit. Yeshua said, your Father gives the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, to those who ask Him. So simple. Ask. And don't just ask once. Why not ask every time it comes to mind? Every time you feel that desire, ask. Uh, number five, if you want to grow in hearing the Spirit's voice, and this is probably true in conversation also, it's great to ask questions in conversation, and then you'll probably hear the other person's voice. If you ask a question, and then you stop talking, you bounce the ball into the other person's court, and then you be quiet, and you listen. It's the same in our relationship with Yeshua's Spirit. As we ask those questions, as we just cultivate inner quietness as we make time for silence maybe even when we're in our vehicles instead of just flicking on the radio right, right away why not just say Spirit I'm here I'm listening do you have anything you want to talk about no, just to make that make that available <laughs> yeah right right so that's um, that's a practical thing that I think every one of us can grow in we live in a we live in a culture where like there's so much noise happening on so many levels. And you have to fight. You have to be intentional to create times of quiet and to cultivate inner quietness. Right. Take not your Holy Spirit from me is re-asking. That's a great point. Wow. And then sixthly, um, spend time in the Word. Uh, Charlotte, I think that's also something you mentioned last week. And basically just piggybacking off everything Charlotte said last week here. No. But, you know, spend time in the Word. And this is why. In... Um, because the Word was written by the Spirit. You want to grow in your relationship with Yeshua's Ruach? Read the book that the Ruach wrote through human authors. In uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 11, he says the prophecies about Messiah 
in the Tanakh, the Old Testament, they were written by the spirit of Messiah. That was Messiah's own spirit that wrote those things. Um, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, he says it was the, the, the people who penned the, uh, the, the Hebrew scriptures were moved by the Holy Spirit. And then finally, you remember where Paul told Timothy, I think it's in like First uh, Timothy 3.16 or something, I don't remember off the top of my head, but he said, all scripture is God-breathed. It's God-ruached, is the, uh, the Hebrew idea there, right? So yeah, definitely. Spend time in the Word, and you will probably find yourself growing in your ability to hear the Spirit's voice more clearly, uh, more frequently, and in ways that impact you uh, more deeply. And uh, here's a little disclaimer as we're going through these talks. This is a no-brainer. You all already know this, but the voice of the Spirit will never contradict the written Word. Right? Duh. The Holy Spirit wrote the Bible, so the Holy Spirit will tell you things that agree with the Bible and that are in harmony with the Bible. And if the Holy Spirit starts telling you things that aren't in harmony with the Bible, it ain't the Holy Spirit. It's so simple. I love it. Um, here's, one more, here's one more idea here for you. Um, in Proverbs chapter 7, uh, there was a king of Israel named Shlomo or Solomon. He was the son of David, the warrior poet. And he tells this story in Proverbs chapter 7 about one time when he was looking out of his window towards the end of the day and he saw this, I guess either across the street or down the street from him, lived a prostitute. So he had a hooker living on the block. And he was looking out the lattice of his window one day towards the end of the day, the sun was setting, and there was this young man that was walking down the street and he was kind of hanging out in front of the prostitute's house. And guess what happened? The prostitute came out and she was all dolled up and guess what? No surprise, she seduced him and he ended up going into her house. And his point was, don't be stupid like that. I'm, I'm, totally, I'm totally summing it up, right? But here's the thing. The young man started by hanging out in that neighborhood. It all started when he started hanging out outside the house of the prostitute. He didn't go right to her house. He just started hanging out in the neighborhood and that set him on a trajectory where he ended up right in her arms. Extremely dangerous. But I believe that principle also applies to our relationship with the Spirit. That was the negative. That was Satan's counterfeit. I believe it also applies to the Holy Spirit, though, because there are two women that are described in the book of Proverbs. On the one side is this woman that's pictured as a prostitute. She's, she's loud, she's brash, she's out there, she's immodest. Stay away from her. And then on the other side, there's Lady Wisdom. There's this woman that pictures the spirit of wisdom, which is the Ruach that we're talking about, eh? And uh, it says about her too. It says like, she's out there. She's talking. She's, she's available if you want to grow in your relationship with Lady Wisdom, with the Spirit of God. And so what I would say quite simply is, if you want to grow in your relationship with the Spirit, hang out in the Spirit's neighborhood. Hang out in front of her place. Maybe you're like, I don't really know how to hear the Spirit's voice. I don't know how I'm going to grow in a relationship with the Spirit. You know, I'm so spiritually dull. And I just don't get it. And you know what? Maybe that's true. But you can hang out in the Spirit's neighborhood. Maybe you can't find the Spirit directly, but you just hang out in the Spirit's neighborhood. And I guarantee you, the Spirit will find you. And the Spirit will draw you. And the Spirit will bring you into a relationship with Himself. Yeshua's very Spirit, eh? So that's, that's the last thing I would say as an encouragement for those of us who don't feel very spiritual. Just start hanging out in the Spirit's neighborhood and you will be drawn. You'll find yourself on that trajectory. And of course, the, the inverse also applies. You want to grow in a relationship with the Spirit? Then don't hang out in other neighborhoods. 
Hang out in the Spirit's neighborhood. And that applies to uh, a lot of different areas of life, a lot of different choices that we face, how we spend our time, uh, a lot of different things. So uh, I, I'll leave, um, I'll leave this talk at that, and I'd love to hear more of what you have to say now, what you're hearing the Spirit saying from these scriptures. Yeah, the still small voice that Elijah heard. Yeah. Oh, do you know what the Hebrew is for still small voice? Okay, the, the Hebrew word for voice is kol. Everybody say kol. kol. And uh, small voice, it's, 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 kind of, it's a very rough translation actually. The Hebrew phrase is kol, dama, daka. Kol is voice, dama, D-A-M-A-H, space, daka, D-A- Q-A-H or K-A-H if you want to be a strict transliterationist you'll, you'll write it with the Q because it's the letter Q-A-H yeah Kol Dama Daka that's correct and I, I'll tell you those two, last two words Kol is voice Dama literally means silent Dama is the Hebrew word for silent no actually not not for quiet it's the word for silent and, and this is this they, they can't translate it like that because it doesn't make sense necessarily it's, you know what I mean so they have to try and find, a, find an equivalent and then the word daka do you know what it means? it literally means thin like when they beat the golden plates um, I think they were put on the altar or used in the construction of the tabernacle and all the equipment and stuff the Hebrew word for beating gold thin like a very thin layer. Gold can be beat more thin than any other metal from what I've heard. The Hebrew word they're used is daka. Right? So it doesn't make sense right off the bat. Kol dama daka. The silent thin voice. I don't know. What do you guys make of that? What does that sound like to you? That the voice of the Creator is a silent thin voice. It makes me think of something that you could miss so easily. Yeah. You know, if there's something thin, you need to focus right on that thing. If you look to either side, uh, you'll miss it. It almost, it almost reminds me of wavelengths on the radio where you have to tune into that wavelength or you miss it. And you, you've, all, you've all experienced that. Uh, you know, when you just turn on the radio and you flip the dial, you need to tune in very precisely to tune into that wavelength. That's, that's what it reminds me of. Yeah. And silent, maybe just to say that physically it's silent, but spiritually, it's the, you, you, you definitely sense it. I won't say dogmatically that it never means quiet either, Hannah. I just the, the, some the instances I'm thinking of it, it literally means silent, but it could mean quiet also, and that would make sense that he speaks in a quiet voice. I uh, I mentioned uh, Tom Brown, an author that I enjoyed reading uh, um, when I was growing up. Uh, he was that like wilderness survivalist who uh, lived in the northeastern states, and he was mentored by an Apache elder who was like an incredible survivalist. They did all kinds of crazy, crazy things. And uh, he used to go out and get himself stuck in quicksand up to his neck and then practice getting out. <laughs> and like, he, and he, he, I think he even did, the, there was like an old Native American game called bear slapping, where you run up behind the bear, you stalk up behind the bear so he doesn't detect you, and you whack him on the rump and then you run. And if you get away, you win. And if the bear catches you, basically you lose. And, and that's, that's a real old game. And he, he did stuff like that. And anyway, um, when Tom Brown had children though, he said that he would take them out into the woods at an early age and he would teach them just to sit there, just to be still and to be silent and just to watch the world around them and just listen to the sounds of the forest and, 
and, and, and then, you know, for five minutes, and then ten minutes, and then fifteen. And then they would get together and they would say, what did you see? What did you hear? And I think, what a, what a great idea. What if, what if we do that as disciples? And then what if we, when we get together we say, what did you see? What did you hear? Same idea, eh? Could we pray for a minute? Uh, Yeshua, thank you that we can read this thing that you said to your disciples on your last night with them. Thank you that uh, it, it applies to us also as your disciples. Uh, thank you so much for the relationship that we have with you. Uh, thank you that your spirit is in each of us. And thank you for what your spirit does in each of us, uh, speaking to us from you and uh, disclosing to us things about you, opening our eyes to you, showing us your glory. Uh, thank you for that, Yeshua. Thank you for, um, for that gift. And I, I pray that we could represent that gift well to the people in our lives and to the city. There's so many people that are, that are hurting from failed relationships. There's so many people that are disillusioned from losing friends and loved ones through so many... Um, horrible things that were never meant to be. I pray for those people. Please please go to those people. Please send us to those people. Please draw them into a relationship with yourself, that, that lasting relationship, that, that co- committed covenant relationship that you make with people where you show your faithfulness, where you're ever true. Please, please, um, please show us how we can share that good news with people and, and see people drawn drawn to you. And I pray that you would also show us how we can grow in our relationship with your spirit. I pray that we could hear your voice more clearly. I pray that when we get together, we could be excited about sharing what we have heard of your voice in, in, in the last week or however long it may be since we last see each other. I pray that we could grow in that excitement. And uh, thank you for it. Amen. Shalom, I'm Izzy Avraham, and thank you for joining me for this talk. I delivered these messages live during the years I was leading a congregation. They're now hosted by my Hebrew school, Holy Language Institute, at holylanguage.com. If you're interested in the talks I've done since then, or if you'd just like to say thank you for these teachings, become a member at holylanguage.com.